0: This is not a test. This is not a test. Please remain calm.
1: Unburied dead are coming back to life and seeking human victims. Seeking human victims. As we've done this show, there's been a surprising number of episodes where I've known or, you know, at least like made a matter, made an acquaintance of someone that was in one of these movies. But uh, the movie we're doing tonight and one other wrestling themed movie shared the unique distinction of being a movie that I've actually like either know or have met multiple people in these movies. So, why would that be because it's a motherfucking wrestling movie of course that's right we are in no man's land the bonus episode territory between seasons we thank everyone who joined us for season 17 the toby hooper terror timeline it was a fun journey into the films of one of the greats but now Uh, we've got a whole lot of bonus episodes to catch up on from all of our great supporters and patrons over at patreon.com slash og scare and you'll hear me possibly reference other movies and other episodes to go check out it's all located there in our archive for one dollar a month you can be a member of the seeking human victims family At the One Good Patron tier of One Good Scare. And that will unlock 17 seasons of content. uh, Plus a plethora of things like we're doing tonight with the bonus episodes. And the bonus episodes do not always have to be horror themed. That's the fun of it sometimes. A lot of times they are. But in this case, uh, they... We wanted to go in the wrestling direction, so big shout-out to our executive producer, Casey Oliver, who sponsored this episode. We are going to visit the uh, controversial Hulk Hogan and Vince McMahon's first foray into filmmaking. We're talking about 1989's No Holds Barred, a movie that was quite the cultural touchstone in the youth of me and Muji. Of course, welcome to Seeking Human Victims. I am your host, the devil you know, the original motherfucker, and the high priest of the coven of the goat, the Rev Dan Wilson, and I am here with my fellow, uh, evil wrestling promoters, Dreamboat Annie.
2: I won't be around when this check clears. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) And
1: also joining us for this delightful bonus episode, the one, the only, the
0: great, Mooji. Why, what do we got here? A tiny winger. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Teeny Wangers, What's That Smell? Uh, that that was the obvious one. I think we've made that joke on the show so many fucking times already. I'm glad that no one did What's That Smell. You went for a couple of more obscure lines. Um I appreciate it. Of course, I've seen this movie a lot of times. Um it was a heavy rental on rotation as a kid the greatest american hero of our youth hulk hogan starring in his first big action movie uh so yeah
0: very well
1: acquainted with no holds barred
0: yeah i mean you know my answer we uh we watched this thing a lot on the vhs um pretty sure that i either saw it in the theater or got the the pay-per-view to match the movie before the vhs but definitely Huge rental, immediate purchase when the uh, local video store put it on the shelf to buy. Seen this movie far too many times.
2: This was the first time I've seen this movie. Somehow, um, I don't know how I. This is the first time, but it is. This is the first time I've seen this.
1: In any uh, rare category: the cross section of lifetime wrestling fan and first-time viewer of the old bard.
2: Right, yeah. I I, it's, I have no clue how I've made it this far into my life, um, watching wrestling for as long as I have, without seeing this. I don't know how this escaped me. So, Someone out there was making moves, either to make this the, the premiere for me or protecting me from it. I'm not sure.
1: <laughs> it's not one I've gone back to a lot in my adulthood, so that probably why i think we did like get the boys together and watch it years ago when we were doing that other podcast like that you were probably like fuck this you didn't really participate in that one so <laughs> that's, that's probably why you didn't see it
2: yeah,
1: but no. regardless you've seen it now
2: indeed yeah, I, think, I have
0: i think for me yeah it's the same watching it a ton as a kid i do believe we got together to watch this movie and then it's been like a hey, it's on new media situation, like where at one point I owned the DVD and have no idea what happened to that. And then it was like, oh, they put it on the WWE Network. I guess I'll watch it again. But, you know, it's been off there for years. So, yeah, (laughs) probably like 100 watches by the time I was like 10 and about four watches in the past 30 years.
1: Well, we, we gave it another one tonight, and we're going to talk about it. But before we do that, of course, we're going to welcome our musical guests to the show this week, brought to you by your sponsors at Horror Pain Gore Death Productions. That's HorrorPainGoreDeath.com. And tonight, Horror Pain Gore Death welcomes past co-conspirators, Fluids, back to the roster. And they didn't come alone, along with pathological gore grind entity Lipoma and industrial gore grind mutants trocar fluids have returned with dissertations a split featuring four tracks of surgical malpractice and wanton disregard for human life previously available only on cassette dissertations was originally released on halloween of 2022 by scumlord distro This three-way split sees fluids continue to weave brutal death metal, gore grind, and harrowing samples with Piled 3, the Three Pile. The third installment in a saga pulled straight from the pages of Alarma Magazine. Lipoma's eternal sufferings and dermatologic manifestations showcased warp ex- warped experimentation on classic gore grind, infusing elements of blackened melodicism to create a singular sonic onslaught completely devoid of mercy. And newcomer's Trocar debut with Wonder Cease, a tortured six-minute odyssey that begins with fits of grinding ferocity and slowly devolves into lumbering industrial despair. You are sick. Dissertations is your medicine. Open wide for fans of mortician, torso fuck, impetigo, carcass, lymphatic phlegm, nasum, exhumed, and godflesh. Here is Fluids with Piled 3, the three pile, kicking off this week's episode of Seeking Human Victims. (laughs) Come Porno, But No Holds Barred was a 1990, 1989, the year of our Batman American action film produced by Michael Rackmill, directed by Thomas J. Wright and written by Dennis Hacken. Uh, none of those guys' original vision probably made it to the final cut. Of course, it stars Hulk Hogan, who was an executive producer on the film alongside WWE founder promoter Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Um, The film is owned by WWE under the Shane Distribution Company. So before we even knew who the fuck Shane McMahon was, he was being referenced here. This was probably the most on-screen respect Vince McMahon has ever shown Shane McMahon.
0: Which, uh,
2: (laughs) yeah, that's
0: a shoot. (laughs) (laughs) They were real, um, they were real, uh, They came up with some great names because, you know, their music division is just Stephanie Music. So, Vance really thought hard on this.
2: No, listen, listen. Okay. So, growing up, like, I actually... This is so funny to me to know this because I didn't know that until we're just... I'm just now learning about Shay and Stephanie's individual little companies they got as children. Um, It's a great way to set them up um, for the future, I guess, if it's successful. But anyways when i was growing up there were there was a woman in our neighborhood who owned multiple businesses a salon and a convenience store um and she had two children um tim and tiffany and so i'll i'll let you guess we had tiffany's salon so i'll let you guess what uh, the 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 corner convenience store was called
1: i would assume tim's
2: Tim's Market, yes.
1: Yeah. There you go. Yeah, the, the Shane Distribution Company. Well, it's back to my earlier comment. Met Vince McMahon. Met Shane McMahon. Shane McMahon got my name wrong once. They called me
0: Dave, for reference. It's just a funny Good little job, anecdote Dave. there.
2: Thanks for all your hard work tonight, like, Dave. I am,
0: I am shocked. That, I mean, maybe nobody else heard that, because if that would have been said in front of at least like two other people, you would have henceforth been known as Dave for years to come.
1: No, it was just Steven Prazak and Bill Barons that heard it. Maybe Jeff G. Bailey. He might have been there as well. It was at a Raw when the Wild Side crew, like, invited to come visit and shit. Met Vance. He shook my hand. Almost broke that motherfucker. That's, you know, he takes that, like, RAW man's man, handshake thing very seriously. Um, and then I met Shane very briefly. And, you know, I was just like, oh, hi, Dan Wilson. Nice to meet you. Oh, great to meet you, Dave. <laughs> it was like, fuck. <laughs>
2: Hi, I'm Dave.
0: (laughs) My uh never met Shane McMahon, but did meet Vince McMahon when I was an extra on WrestleMania in Atlanta and uh, didn't get a handshake, but did uh hear the classic Vince voice because we were uh had been practicing it was about two o'clock in the morning at this point and we'd been trying to practice doing like the uh the formation they do in the 300, you know, we're all dressed up as gladiators and we're trying to do that. and We can't fucking figure it out. And um, some people have been partying hard all day that day because most of us didn't know that we we're going to be extras. And so a couple of people are like laying down JT talent being the main one. And we see Vince finally shows up. We've been working with Triple H for, you know, two hours. Vince finally walks up and all we hear like off to the side of the stage. We hear God damn. We got gladiators laying on the floor.
1: <laughs> I mean, don't feel bad I too was yelled at by him uh, not in that that's a separate time the, the, the next time that I met him when we were also extras and uh, uh. The, the big show farted in the gorilla room when we were getting ready to go out and blamed it on tank and so everybody started yes. giggling Triple H included, <laughs> of, of all the people, like even Triple H is like trying to stifle a fucking giggle and Vince just screams at the top of his lungs and slams his hand on the desk. Stop laughing about the fucking fart! So, that was pretty funny. <laughs> That's <laughs> great.
2: <laughs> Legendary but Vince McMahon story.
1: Enough name dropping. We'll just pick up those fucking names. We'll drop some more in a little bit. Uh, <laughs> so the, the this movie... You know, we mentioned all those names, writers, producers, directors. Throw those motherfuckers out the window because, of course, when the first draft of the script gets to Hulk Hogan and Vince McMahon, they say, what the fuck is this shit? And so they go and check into a hotel in Reddington Beach, Florida for 72 hours where they did not sleep, likely due to the influence of... Uh, what some say would be a powdery white substance, um, and they rewrite the entire script. So we probably had, you know, there was real money behind this movie. They had real actors and shit. But like, I there's probably a real, like, legitimate movie in the original script, but what we instead got was the 72-hour cocaine fever dream of Vince McMahon and Hulk Hogan. <laughs>
0: And the world is much better for it. Yeah, you can only imagine that the first movie would have probably been like a, hey, that's a decent little action movie. Nice. But um, would you rather have that, a decent little action movie, or would you rather have this? <laughs> and I mean, the plot is
1: is like, you know, Hulk Hogan is the main star of the World Wrestling Federation, but he's not Hulk Hogan. He's Rip Thomas, the Ripper. So instead of his trademark red and yellow, he's wearing blue and white. Um, There's a rival.
0: It's super super original, obviously, where they're like, what can we, I can imagine them, what can we do to make this character like, you know, what do we do? They're like, well, how about he rips his shirt off? So we call him Rip. They're like, yeah, that's nothing like you. No, that's perfect. It's killed me that he's still the WWF champion,
1: but they wouldn't let him be Hulk Hogan.
0: Yeah, yeah. But, of course, like the... Go, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. You can explain it. I'll I'll come in. Oh, I
1: was just gonna say, the the main villain of the the movie is a rival television network head. So, Vizic Man is already putting his shit, his real-life shit, into these things, even before the Attitude Era here with No Holds Barred. Like, clearly... The rival television network owner Ted Turner, at the time, was his most uh, vicious real-life rival, and of course, he's trying to lure his top star away. So that's kind of where yeah. it starts.
0: Really hilarious to like think about that, you know, years and years later when that actually ended up happening, and that Hulk Hogan is portraying this guy that's like, I gave him my word, like I would never leave. And he's like, I'll write you a blank check. And that's, I mean, that's essentially what happened. Ted Turner wrote him a blank check. And he went there.
2: <laughs> so he didn't have the resolve of Rip. A one Rip Thomas.
0: Yeah, to further the,
1: the Ted Turner narrative, like, so what does he do? He goes and starts his own wrestling program to compete with the WWF. And, um. That's where he finds Zeus, this ex-convict, former protege of Rip's trainer who's gotten out of prison, and he's going to fucking come fuck Rip up. So he wins this big Battle of the Tough Guys tournament. We're off to the races. Um, I did have to laugh at Samantha Moore, the corporate spy character. Um, who, it, Dude. In many ways, I feel like this character was written in as also a stand-in for Vince McMahon um, in some ways because there's just, like, a lot of the dynamic of him and Hogan with him and her. Like, is he, like, living out some kind of fantasy where
0: he wanted to fuck Hulk Hogan here? I mean, with everything at this point in his life that we know about Vince McMahon which I'm sure is like 5% of it. I'm sure the other 95% of it, you know, his closest inner circle is just going to take to their graves. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's completely possible. <laughs> <laughs> so she's sent to, uh, to
1: seduce Rip, but of course falls in love with him. And there's this whole like romantic undercurrent storyline. But of course the big thing is, is Rip and Zeus. And of course, he's got to fight Zeus in the big fight at the end. And eventually, shoot kills him at the end.
0: (laughs) Yeah. The Uh, shoot kill. Wild fucking movie. Wild. Yeah. I mean, is the WWE. I mean, is the WWF just over? Like, in the. Because, I mean, in this movie, he's working for the WWE. It's the real WWF because we, you know, we see Mean Gene and Jesse the Body. So you assume, you know, it's everything else is real. So, I mean if Hogan went on TBS in 1989 and like killed Sid, is there any more wrestling ever? (laughs) Is that the end of the business? Um, Also, I would like to say out of all the crazy things that happened in this movie, the number one most unrealistic part of it is that Vince McMahon would have let this fight happen on someone else's channel. Vince would have let Hogan, fight you know rick flair to the death on tv but he would have had to have promoted it and sold it on pay-per-view and made the money <laughs> there's no way no way he lets it happen any other way yeah um the
1: music of this is is a, definitely a starring element of the film it really has that 80s wwf swagger and there's a reason for that including the titular theme song for no holds barred there at the end uh All the music for this was done by Jim Johnston, the famed WWF composer who wrote pretty much, he and Jimmy Hart wrote pretty much all of the most famous wrestling themes of all time.
0: Oh yeah, Jim Johnston, which I think, I would say, I mean, he's not really underrated. I think anyone that's like, of our age just knows how big of a part that he played in all of our childhoods. I mean, he's a huge part of, you know the whole show and like why you know we loved wrestling as kids we didn't know it then but we learned it later yep absolutely let's talk
1: about the cast of course hulk hogan is the lead we've mentioned this many times he'd not really done much acting prior to then it was his first starring role he of course did uh the rocky three role as thunder lips and that's sort of what catapulted him into mainstream recognition but uh as a wrestler mainly and of course did Wrestlemania did the rock and wrestling connection all of that Vince McMahon decides here he wants to get back into films and stuff wants to produce his first film uh th- this is it and of course Hogan is going to be the big star he did have of course some other acting roles uh you know we of course know he was the top star of the WWF in the 80s and huge drawing world champion cultural phenomenon but he was also in uh, gremlins 2 the new batch suburban commando mr nanny thunder in paradise spy hard santa with muscles three ninjas high noon at mega mountain muppets from space Romeo and juliet and more and of course uh he filmed the live action parts to the cartoon Hulk Hogan's rock and wrestling, but his did not actually voice himself. He starred in the reality show. Hogan knows best. He made a cameo in the Goldbergs and a shitload more. Um, You know, he had his, his controversy and he was kind of canceled for, uh, you know, having some old racist ass fucking opinions. Uh, He's, he's apologized and tried to like make his way back into the, the world and some people have accepted him and a lot of people haven't. And, you know, some, you just say some shit like that and it gets out on tape. I mean, you even if you do genuinely apologize, you got to expect there's some people that are just never going to fucking let that go. And that's kind of the case with Hogan. So you hate to see a guy who's you know, you kind of worshipped as a child, you know, turn out to have such a fall from grace and not really be what he professed himself to be not just in that in a variety of reasons but all that said like you can't deny the impact hulk hogan had on kids like me and muji
0: yeah for sure i mean he's followed the path of i would say like far too many of our childhood heroes and you know not turned out to be the person that you hoped that they were um Yeah, I mean, I think it's very, I think a lot of people have a hard time, and especially when you turn out, when it turns out that somebody may not be a great person, it's really easy to be like, actually, they were blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, it's like, it's almost impossible that anyone will ever, like, mean more to, like, wrestling, being on your TV as a wrestler than Hulk Hogan was. And it's hard to describe for anyone who wasn't a kid back then, like, just how famous he was you know in comparison to the rest of the world it would be you know i don't know i mean it was fucking nobody has ever like long term like kind of done it the way he did it like back then when he was like an active wrestler oh no
1: like i'm back in the administrative side of wrestling which includes coaching and training young wrestlers now again and uh It's hard to get them to understand what Hulk Hogan meant because most of them just don't fucking see it. Even going back and watching his matches, um, his style is just so different and not really super physical compared to the modern style. Like it's just it's hard to get them to see why he was so big.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um. I mean yeah I mean I mean I get it things are like so different and everything like that but like you can just that's just one of those like things where it's like if you just look at like the um the numbers which are out there of like what their house shows and stuff drew on the ones that Hulk Hogan was on and the ones that they weren't it's like it's baffling like the difference like no one has ever like made that much of a difference you know to wrestling and yeah. it's very likely that You know, there wouldn't be, you know, two wrestling promotions like with all these guys making all this money if Hulk Hogan wanted to come around when he did.
1: Absolutely. And, uh, of course, Hogan's the fixture, but there's a lot of people propping him up here. Uh, (laughs) Joan Severance is our female lead. Samantha Moore. uh, Joan Severance was in Lethal Weapon. She was in See No Evil, Hear No Evil, Bird on a Wire, Red Shoe Diaries, uh, Black Scorpion. Uh, mystery woman and a whole lot more Uh, she also did a lot of tv abc after school specials mike hammer the hitchhiker's tales from the crypt la law love boat one tree hill csi miami american horror story asylum masters of sex and ncis los angeles so still very active out there is joan severance but uh, she she did her best female vince mcmahon in this movie and hulk hogan breaks a bed trying to fuck her (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah I mean, she's not great in this, obviously. um she's not she's not given, you know, any sort of top tier uh, material here. Like I really feel like um Vince and Hulk, when they were coming up with the dialogue for this movie, like really, all of the especially all of the scenes that were supposed to be like romantic, really went with the fucking George Lucas fucking prequels version of like what a romance is. <laughs> and it's a pretty. Hilarious lines they say to each other, and I mean, she's not great, but I mean, she was you know she was like a really famous like model like like right pre supermodel, but she was one of the most famous models in the world, and this was one of her first you know things to try to go to acting, so she was kind of inexperienced, and then you know she got a, a script that Vince Man and Hulk Hogan wrote on a cocaine vendor. So what do you want? <laughs> <laughs>
1: and uh the, the the biggest heavy lifting is probably done by legendary shithead character actor kurt fuller as tom brell uh, fuller's played an asshole in more movies than you can count we've probably covered him here on the show before I don't see anything in his filmography that we've done, so maybe not. But I mean, goddamn, if it was the 80s, this guy was showing up in a movie being a fucking dickhead to somebody. He was in The Running Man, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, Red Heat, True Believer, Ghostbusters 2, Under the Boardwalk, Bonfire of the Vanities, Wayne's World. He is uh, the, the main heel in Wayne's World, uh, Calendar Girl reflections on a crime diamonds, scary movie, anger management, pursuit of happiness, superhero movie, national lampoons, Van Wilder freshman year. I mean, he's just like, he's still working today. Um, unfortunately it looks like he was recently in the sound of freedom. <laughs> that was his most recent film credit. So, uh, hopefully he'll, he'll do something else to end his, his career on a better note in film. But I mean, dude's still very active and, um, was a, a classic 80s asshole Man. oh yeah i
0: love kurt fuller he's in a billion things that are awesome um if, yeah of course you know most famous to to me and probably you too for wayne's world and uh you know i mean fuck him, but um you know i hope he got those points on sound of freedom that's all i'm saying hope you got a little peace. <laughs> right <laughs>
1: And then we had Tiny Lister, Tiny Lister Jr., also known as Tommy Debo Lister, uh, as Zeus, who, you know, as kids, you could have fucking fooled us, because we thought this guy was just a fucking wrestler. We believed that he was just hurt somebody and got sent to prison, and he did that fucking promo. He's like, Hulk Hogan, when I get out of prison, I'm coming for you. We were like, this motherfucker's going to fuck Hulk Hogan up. (laughs) <laughs> and he kind of did. He was a pretty fucking terrible wrestler, though. I mean, he really couldn't do anything but stand there and look big. Um, and he did that well, as uh, he had a pretty strong and long acting career, playing roles similar to Zeus.
0: Yeah, man. As a kid, Zeus scared the shit out of me. When you know, six year old Muji saw Zeus, I was like, the fucking Hulk is in trouble. And I mean, you know, obviously he's terrible, but he was fucking over. And, um, you know, that's, you know, that's like, I mean, it's one of like the the most things like there's like a wrestlers now that I watch that I just don't get it at all, but they're just fucking super over. So, yeah, whatever, you know, it looks fucking fake and stupid to me, but they're fucking selling, you know, selling those tickets. And that was fucking Zeus, man. That whole angle is as dumb as it seems like. Fucking worked. Like people were fucking there and ready to see all the Zeus matches. And yeah, I was so fooled about him being an actor. You know, he fucking disappeared when we were a kid. There were rumors that he died legit. That was one of those early crazy wrestling rumors. Like when, when it was like the Ultimate Warrior died and they got a new guy. You know, as the Warrior. That was like, which is fucking hilarious. Because yeah. he's
1: in movies, this he's acting in this entire time, like working his yeah. ass off, like four or five movies a year
0: here. <laughs> yeah, like. well, fucking Friday was the one that finally kind of ended it because that was like a popular enough movie that it was like, that's fucking Zeus, <laughs> you know. Like, so finally, the rumor of Zeus being dead, you know, this is pre fucking IMDb and stuff where unless you've caught a movie with him in it, you know, you've got no proof of his existence. So I remember when Friday came out, I was like, it's fucking Zeus. Not only is he alive, but he is an actor.
1: <laughs> yeah, he is an actor, and probably his most famous role was Friday. Like, really, yeah. after this. Like, that's why people remember he's Debo now more than he's... To wrestling fans, will always be Zeus, but to most people, they see Tiny Lister, and they're like, oh,
0: it's fucking Debo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, a Zeus... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's pretty good, that bunch of cult, cultural impact, you know, like, you don't hear people going around seeing somebody, well, I mean, you don't see guys, I'm sure if you actually saw somebody on the street walking around with fucking huge metal armbands and fucking, you know, or the vest, you might call the Zeus, but, you know, that was actually a thing, like, bullies were just called Debo for a lot of years, so
1: pretty good oh yeah yeah we'll run through the rest of this cast pretty quick we had mark pellegrino as randy thomas the little brother of rip that gets his ass kicked by Zeus. and he's all bandaged up there at the end when rips looking for motivation to finish him off um he's also he's still acting he was in lucifer or he actually was in supernatural as lucifer he was also in dexter he was in lost being human quantico 13 reasons why And a whole lot more. Uh, Mark Pellegrino. Very early in his career. Still going strong. And then we had uh, Bill Henderson. Who was the trainer of Rip. Uh, He played Charlie. It was kind of his version of Mickey from Rocky. And uh, this dude was a very famous jazz singer. As well as an actor. Had done a lot of films. From like the early 70s. He was in a movie called Trouble Man. He's in Murphy's Law, City Slickers, White Men Can't Jump, Ghost of Mississippi, Lethal Weapon 4, He Was on Happy Days, Sanford and Son, Good Times, The Jeffersons, Hill Street Blues, MacGyver, NYPD Blue, Beyond Belief, Factor Fiction, uh, ER, Malcolm and Eddie, 7th Heaven, My Name is Earl, and more.
0: Um, I would like to enter in that, I think that even more so than him being like Mickey, was that hogan or vince one was playing a little punch out because he's All fucking, right, he's fucking yes. shoot like, like doc oh my god fuck
1: mike tyson's punch out okay i get it and we had uh charles levin as ordway he was on hill street blues on the series alice uh Actually, had a strange disappearance and death, unfortunately, in 2019, where he uh, apparently fell to his death down a 30-foot embankment, um, and it's, it's, that's kind of a sad ending for that guy. But he's certainly a busy actor. A lot of TV. He was on The Golden Girls, or uh, he was on The Golden Girls and in The Golden Child with Eddie Murphy. He's also on Seinfeld. Uh, he was in Manhattan Doonesbury Special and more. And then we had uh, David Paymer. Another familiar face, this movie was chock full of familiar character actors. He was in movies like Mr. Saturday Night, Quiz Show, Searching for Bobby Fischer, City Slickers, Crazy People, State and Maine, Payback, Get Shorty, Drag Me to Hell, and more. And then we had Patrick O'Brien as Craig, who uh, starred as Spike in 976 Evil in 1988 which is also the directorial debut of Robert England. That's what he's best known for. We had a lot of wrestlers appearing in this. Big Jeep Swenson, uh, who actually was mainly a world-class star, came back to WCW as the ultimate solution in, like, 1996. Uh, He was Lug Ranch Perkins. Another person I know and I'm actually friends with, Bill Eady, was Jake Bullitt. Uh, Bill Eady, wrestling fans would know him as Demolition Axe. Uh, he was also the my Superstar, older fans would know him as that, uh, from George Championship Wrestling, but in this, he's a weird-looking dude with an afro named Jake Bullitt, who's uh, doing a job to the Hulkster to start the movie. <laughs> Jake Bullet, great name. Yes. And then uh, we had Stan Hansen, who i have also met. He was friends with my uncle. Um, don't really know him, but did me and Annie both got to have a fairly lengthy conversation and spent a little bit of time with him at a convention, uh, hanging out with gypsy Joe a few years ago. And he was super cool and has one of the more memorable roles in this movie as the, the Neanderthal who screams tiny wangers and has the, the inbred sister that he's most likely having sex with. And then we had, uh, Rebecca Wackler as miss tidings, Bruce Taylor as miss Johnson, me and Gene Okerlund as himself, Jesse, the body Ventura as himself, Howard Finkel as himself also met the Fink once he was very nice uh Joey Morella the late son of Gorilla Monsoon also late uh was was in this as his, himself uh Rick Allen played an unnamed wrestler and another dude I know pretty well Marcus Alexander Buff Bagwell was an uncredited young
0: very young extra in this film um I liked uh, Mrs. Tidings I just remember her because of You know, she got fired by. She got fired by Kurt Foreman. Mrs. Tidings, take a leak. (laughs) Uh,
1: what the fuck? So I was like the other movie would be ready to rumble. I don't I have to count when, when we finally get around to doing that one as a bonus episode on who who I know more people in so far no holds barred wins this by a landslide of the movies we've done and then uh shooting dates and locations it was shot in may of 1988 in topeka kansas and atlanta georgia enemy
0: territory for vince mcmahon man the um the movie is shot um where fucking ted turner is at that is very very interesting
1: And with that odd and interesting fact, let's open the door to the Auditorium. Strange truths and morbid curiosities will be revealed inside the Auditorium. Mm -hmm. Odd and interesting facts. To promote the movie... Tiny Lister was brought into WWF. We talked about this, but apparently um, the storyline was that he was angry about losing in the movie and that he could beat Hulk Hogan in real life. But we mentioned he was not great. Uh, he did cause a lot of excitement, but he only wrestled three matches in his whole career there. The first was a tag match with Randy Savage versus Hulk Hogan and Brutus Beefcake at SummerSlam 89. And it was a big fucking deal at the time. Uh, The second was an eight-man tag where he was eliminated by DQ. And then finally, since Vince accepted that the movie was a bust and wouldn't sell on pay-per-view by itself, he sold No Holds Barred the match the movie, which included the match and the movie together. Um, rumor has it that had it had been a success, the main event for WrestleMania six was actually supposed to be Hulk Hogan versus Zeus in a singles match instead of Hulk Hogan versus the ultimate warrior, which is what we got. And uh, there there was some shooting for for a guy that was not known to be particularly stiff. Hulk Hogan did accidentally break Zeus's nose in the filming. And then on another occasion, Hogan cut his hand open on the glass shards from the broken mirrors.
2: They didn't even get prop mirrors to break. Come on. <laughs>
1: Apparently, uh, this was a, a point of comedy during the Monday Night Wars. They joked about it a lot. Uh, there was an episode of Monday Night Raw where Jim Ross quips that had the movie did so poorly, it should have been called No Profits Allowed. I love you, JR, but that's a pretty fucking lame line. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rip's finisher in the movie is a double running sledgehammer, which is the axe bomber that Hulk Hogan used as his finish in New Japan. And um, the, the axe bomber was big over there, but it, it never made its way over to the States. Matter of fact, in Fire Pro Wrestling, some of the real wrestlers have fake names. Hulk Hogan is called Axe Dugan.
2: That's really funny. <laughs> They're like, uh, he used uh, something with a tool in its name. And um, Hacksaw is also a tool. Axe. Do again. There we go. Perfect. Nailed it. Another tool reference. Eh.
1: We, we mentioned the color scheme change in this, but uh, it's not the first time Hogan had worn blue and white with red um, trim on his gear. He, he did that a lot in the mid 80s before the red and yellow became like his signature look. So he just kind of went back to that. The match... The the movie's title became the name of a match type in the WWF in the mid nineties. I mean, it, it's it was used before the movie as well, but WWF kind of capitalized on it for those kind of anything goes types matches, which they didn't do a lot of in those days.
2: Yeah, I, I always just assumed that you know it was the movie was named after the idea of a match where there were no holds that were barred because there's rules to you know hand-to-hand competitive combat where it's like all right you can't like do things that would like there are certain things that are banned barred different holds and they're like but not this one no holds barred in this match and then they're like right because he's gonna rip a steel ring post apart so no holds barred
0: <laughs> yeah it's kind of funny too to think about that the um you know obviously you know, they were doing kayfabe back then, but if you like look at it from a little bit of afar, it's like Hulk is wrestling for the WWF where you know the matches are worked. And this other promotion is like shoot, they're shooting on each other. It's like shoot fights. And that, you know, also, you know, 10 years later, actually more like 15 years later, the uh, WWE's biggest competition, a shoot fight place. Yeah, re- real shoot fights.
2: Shoot, shoot fights.
0: All right, only
1: two more little odd and interesting facts here before we close the door on No Holds Barred. Um, one was that uh, there was a vicious Internet rumor going around that uh, the, the little person in the cage was a young Peter Dinklage, and that's because people on the Internet are fucking idiots. Uh, that was played by Rick Allen, who I mentioned earlier. Uh, he was called Shorthead Headbanger. That was his official role.
2: I don't know how old Peter Dinklage is, just offhand, but I would assume he would have been an actual child in 1989.
1: Well, as we've seen, people are fucking stupid.
2: Very, very true. That is facts.
1: Um, I, I lied. We got th- we got three more, because there's two more. So, uh, the next one is that apparently during the production, Hogan could not remember the main protagonist's name. So, instead, he would call him Joey Longbottom.
2: <laughs> oh, i thought i was gonna just call him brother
0: let me tell you something joey longbottom
2: <laughs> oh peter dinklage would have been 19 during the filming of this movie
0: that's fucking hilarious hey i can tell you a quick uninteresting fact on this um apparently um i'd uh heard on another pod that uh hogan was like really like so like you know wanting to make the move to Hollywood, you know, still wrestled new Hollywood, that he really gave the hard sell to Vince to finance this movie. And Hogan got paid, but he told Vince that if the movie never turned a profit, that he would pay it all back. And that check never came.
2: <laughs> I won't be around when that check clears.
1: <laughs> oh fuck. Yeah, Kurt Fuller apparently didn't think too highly of this gig. He was offered a paid gig on a wrestling convention panel and live podcast in 2019 to discuss the movie. And apparently he scoffed at the notion and declined ever having anything to do with wrestling again.
0: And instead is now making uh, movies about conspiracy theories funded by um, pedophiles. Correct.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's fucking working for the QAnon fucks. So, yeah, wrestling below me, Fuck <laughs> <it>. not this. <laughs> so maybe he wasn't playing a dickhead all those years. Maybe he just actually was. Well, we already heard that, uh, you know, the check never came. So we probably don't expect it to be a giant success, but we uh, will see what it did. It did seem to eke out a little bit. Let's look at the numbers.
0: All right, Numbers of the Beast, this movie was released on June the 2nd, 1989, and uh, running time, 93 minutes. Hey, if you're going to make this movie, make it a crisp hour and a half, I love it. Budget was estimated $8 million. The box office is rumored to have been a total of $16 million. Um, so, you know, maybe it got like close to breaking even in the end?
1: Maybe. So, you know, it eked out a little profit, but th- not comparable to the popularity of Hulk Hogan in the United States at the time.
2: Well yeah, right. yeah I'm sure I was gonna say it just depends on I guess like well because like they did the whole match in the WWF. And so it's like do you consider the cost to advertise that match and put that match on to be part of the marketing budget for the movie or part of the WWF's marketing budget so like it kind of gets a little blurry I guess that's why there's a big bold citation needed next to that budget because they could hide some of the budget in various ways by saying like no this isn't movie marketing it's WWE marketing but or maybe they went the other way so what I'm I guess the short and short of what I'm trying to say is like was six sixteen million 16 million dollars is twice what they supposedly spent on it but did they spend an additional eight million dollars trying to convince people to go see this movie
0: yeah i mean that's totally possible and i mean that's like a i mean that's like a you know and that's a total hollywood thing obviously of like when you constantly see like movies like for example blumhouse who makes awesome movies but you'll constantly see like the movie had a five million dollar budget and it made 50 million dollars at the box office like they never release how much money that they spend to market movies, which is oftentimes like way more, th- more comparable to the like budget of the movie, <laughs> you know, like, so who the fuck knows? Like, that's one of those things now where like they're estimating like the Barbie movie sidebar really good um, has made a ton of money. And they're like, well, Warner Brothers spent like some people think like two hundred million dollars to market. it. <laughs> so, yeah, who the fuck knows? Who knows? Especially with WWE math, there's fucking no telling how much they actually spent to, to push this motherfucker. But yeah, I totally agree with Dan. This is like, kind of like the beginning of the downward trend of like their boom period in the eighties. So I'm sure that, you know, the 8 million or 16 million or whatever they invested in the movie could have been invested way better elsewhere, you know, considering just how fucking like much money they were making off the live wrestling business.
1: Yeah. That's like because it started hot, so you almost got to think like had it been probably the original script that they paid for from professionals, uh, it might have actually done well because it debuted opening weekend at number two, right behind the Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. So it fucking you know it comes out of the gate like a freight train and then tapers off really badly after that.
0: And then the bell rang. Yes, they,
1: and then the bell rang, <laughs> to, to quote a wrestling turn of phrase. Uh, critical response, as you can imagine, was not very good. Uh, it sits uh, 10% on Rotten Tomatoes today. It was described as tremendously crude, unapologetically manipulative, and aimed directly at easily entertained 13-year-old boys. Correct.
0: Yeah, and 6- and 8-year-olds. <laughs>
1: Uh, The L.A. Times gave it a positive review, though. It said it never takes itself seriously. And the director, Tom Wright, who had directed TV's Beauty and the Beast, has fun with the wrestling montages. Uh, Hogan himself has an appealing screen presence, like a gallant teddy bear who goes berserk every 10 minutes or so. (laughs) The Philadelphia Inquirer said from now on. Or for, it says, for months now, Dustin Hoffman and Robert De Niro have been sitting in their dens and nervously clutching their Oscars. They knew that an unprecedented challenge was looming to their preeminent standing amongst American actors, the arrival of Hulk Hogan in his first starring role. Rumor had it, and No Holds Barred confirms, that the great man would love, would do a love scene and even essay an emotional breakdown at the hospital bed of his crippled brother. There's no limit to what Hulk Hogan can do on stage and screen. After all, who's going to summon the nerve to tell him he can't? He may one day want to try Hamlet, and I can see the billing now. Hulk Hogan versus Felonius Felonius. But from what I hope is a safe distance, let me point out a few things about Hulk's work in No Holds Barred. It needs work, Hulk. To watch him is to behold the craft of acting place in a half-Nelson and gleefully choked to death. (laughs) Cretans and people who take professional wrestling seriously, and I'm bound to say the distinction between the two groups is lost on me, will flock to No Holds Barred, and they will not be disappointed. Yeah, fuck you, guy. Pro wrestling is notorious for grotesquely bad acting, masquerading as entertainment. And that, along with a screenplay and direction of spectacular crudity, is what you get in No Holds Barred. Hulk Hogan popped up in Rocky 3, and in No Holds Barred, he achieves the rare feat of making Sylvester Stallone seem sophisticated. So some funny insults in that review, but that guy was like way up his own ass.
0: Stallone has uh, been nominated for an Academy Award for acting, you piece of shit.
1: And he says, it's all right, Dustin and Robert, you can go back to sleep now. <laughs> what a prick! I mean, that's
0: pretty, that's pretty funny <laughs> overall. It's pretty funny overall. <laughs> I mean, Hulk was more more so coming for, you know, Stallone and um, and Schwarzenegger. You know, that was probably more of his goals was to come after those guys, and you know, they they too were safe.
2: And if let's 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 be honest with ourselves here, when he says pro wrestling is notorious for grotesquely bad acting, bad acting masquerading as entertainment, especially in the late '80s and early '90s. Let's be real; he's not wrong
1: fair but he doesn't look down at it (laughs) it's
2: like fine but he can't say that
1: exactly if you're in wrestling you can say that if you're this fucking guy fucking um chicago tribune's gene siskel remarked simply that it is utterly lacking in the campy quality of wwf telecasts it seems like gene was a wrestling fan and said that it didn't hold up (laughs) Um, In in a 1991 review of Suburban Commando, Roger Ebert recalled that despite that Hulk Hogan's public image is aimed at children, his first film was surprisingly violent, sexist, and blood-soaked. Washington Post said his performance is as dreadful as one might expect from a man who's such limited skills outside the ring, made worse by a story that is at once more obvious and less inspired than your average WrestleMania script. It makes Rocky look like Citizen Pain. That guy thought he had a fucking winner with that line, buddy. Uh, New York Times said in No Holds Barred, Hogan's first feature film, The Blonde Mustachioed Wrestling Idol, plays a professional gladiator who's so ferocious he can reduce a gym to rubble in five minutes flat and so sensitive that he spontaneously bursts into tears after his little brother gets be- beaten up. The fact that nothing about Hogan really adds up, no doubt, helps his account for popularity.
0: Randy was in a coma, you motherfucker. He wasn't just beat up. <laughs> Uh, you know, and more reviews
1: of this similar vein, so well, we, we don't need to keep kicking it while it's down. We know the people are saying it's shit, <laughs> so we'll move along. If you want to own No Holds Barred, good fucking luck, because that shit was hard as hell to track down, uh, but it is out there, and Dreamboat Annie and her lovely self is going to tell you about it.
2: Yeah, so... It was first released on VHS, Betamax, and Laserdisc in October of 1989. Um, and there it fucking sat for a long fucking time. Um, and it was eventually released on DVD with a digitally remastered transfer when WWE decided that, like, oh, right, we do own things and can put out our old stuff too. Um, so WWE Home Video put that out under the WWE Studios banner. On July 3rd of 2012, a little Americana for you. Um, and then the Blu-ray disc release followed that in April of t- 2014. Those are the releases of this film. Um, if you don't own a copy of that, um, you can't buy it unless you like get it from somebody else who owns it um, and is selling it. And if you wanted to watch this digitally, online, streaming, like maybe... Um, on, I guess uh, Peacock is now who owns the library for the WWE. They don't have it. Okay. It's not there. Peacock does not have this movie. Hulu doesn't have this movie. Netflix. No voodoo. No Amazon to pay for it. No, you cannot rent this movie. You cannot stream this movie legally anywhere. Uh, I have looked, I, I do have questions as to why maybe it's it, like, cause it's not like it's so bad they're not gonna show it because there's way worse movies that you can watch right now on netflix hulu whatever um and i was like maybe it's because they canceled hulk hogan and they don't want to show this movie anymore no because they've got you know hulk hogan all over all kinds of stuff um yeah not available um it is um on the archive of the internet It is archived um, and also available under less legal means as well. But even there, not a lot of it. I went deep in the rabbit hole searching for this movie for you guys.
0: Yeah, the only thing that I could find that you can buy right now is a um, a different, like, there's a different formatted version of DVD that's a Hulk Hogan three-pack. With no holds barred, Mister Nanny and Suburban Commando on Amazon, and that's like the only thing that's like in stock. that's not you know hundred you know a hundred bucks from some yeah. sort of seller. It's crazy.
2: Yeah, does it is just somehow become a collector's item? It it doesn't make any sense to me because like they like I know they didn't make money off of it, but you'd think it's content. Put it up there for someone to watch. Uh, but yeah, no.
0: and enough goobers like us that just have you know nostalgia for it even though you know no matter what you think of the movie you're just like oh no holds barred like i'm sure there's like plenty of wrestling fans and if you put that out in some sort of special edition blu-ray tomorrow like they would make money on it so it's weird that it's that way oh yeah
1: i mean wrestling fans have kept the legacy of this alive that's really the only legacy it has to speak of um, is the, you know, uh, the, the cool ass action figure that you
0: just got that you showed me. Oh yeah, man. It's a, uh, it's from last year. a so 2022, uh, it was the Mattel San Diego comic-con con exclusive where they put out a fucking no holds barred set with fucking Hogan with rip and Zeus. And it looks like a VHS tape. The, the case does, and then it's got them inside with all their accessories. He's got the Ripem shirt and. You know the fucking WWF title from the from the thing. It's yeah, it's great, and it fucking sold out in like I, I want to say like less than a minute. It sold out on Mattel's website last year when they put it on sale. So I mean, there's definitely a fucking um, market out there. I mean, like the Ripem shirt is on WWE.com right now. You can buy. So they're definitely moving some merch.
1: Oh yeah, one of the kids on our student show this past week came in wearing a Rip'em shirt. I was like, "Ah!" <laughs> like, immediately over with
0: me. <laughs> yeah.
2: And then let's not forget that one of the companies you currently work with right now, that their name and logo they frequently use from this movie, the No Holds Barred logo. Shout out ICW No Holds Barred.
1: Oh yeah. No, there's a, like, that was what my next thing I was actually going to say was like, there is a heavy influence on them. Of course, not just the name of the promotion, but I mean, we've even done battle of the tough guys tournaments um, on one of the pit fighter shows. They built the octagonal rope ring that is in no holds barred like that. They do the battle of the tough guys in the bar. And um, we built a recreation of that for one of our pit shows. Um, so, like, yeah, and the opening theme to the show, they use the Jim Johnson No Holds Bard song. So, yeah, like, fucking heavily. Yeah. Like, ICW No Holds Bard carries the torch of this movie more than just about anybody.
0: Yeah, I mean, that whole fucking ICW's whole promotion might as well be this promotion in the movie that Zeus is the champion of. You
1: gonna say, Annie?
0: No. All right, well, nothing left to do
1: here, but... Wrap it up and give you our final motherfucking thoughts on oh, No Holds Barred. This movie is dog shit bad and tremendously entertaining all at the same time. Um, like if you, you enjoy cheesy 80s action movies and Hulk Hogan acting badly then you will get a big fucking kick out of it. Um, Otherwise, you're probably going to think this is the worst piece of shit ever. That's really all I got to say that I haven't said.
2: The plot of this movie is very much... um, If you grew up playing wrestling with your siblings, um, and usually either the eldest or the youngest of the siblings has decided that their wrestling character is indomitable. Um, Like that they like, it doesn't matter what you throw at their wrestling character, what move you throw at them or what storyline you want to come up with. Their, their guy that they are um, can defeat it. No problem. Um, Because he actually secretly has other uh, like skills and powers that you didn't know about until this very moment. Um, So he actually, he's going to win. Um, that's what this feels like is Hulk Hogan's of that. Like, he's like, but I don't want to put anybody over ever in this movie. I want to be so good. Um, nobody can beat me. And it very much is written from the, that perspective of like a child telling the story of their hero character, defeating absolutely everybody. Um, and it's super silly. Uh, Very entertaining, really dumb, poorly acted, and an absolute cocaine fever dream. But it is a tight hour and a half, you know, good time. So if you haven't seen it, you're going to laugh your ass off watching this. And if you watched it when you're a kid and haven't seen it since then, you'd be like, oh man, this is so dumb. I love this shit. And also laugh your ass off. So um. I don't know how you're going to do it if you don't own a copy, but figure it out, I guess.
0: Look, in this movie, Vince McMahon's World Wrestling Federation and his champion, Rip, are so popular that Ted Turner can't buy him. So he starts a shoot fight league and cripples Hulk's brother to force him to have a shoot fight live on TV. And in the process of gearing up for the shoot fight, Hulk Hogan talks, he speaks French. He fucking stops a robbery and a bunch of guys with guns by slamming them all through a bunch of shit. Um, This movie's fucking awesome. It's it's one of the fucking worst movies, but it's a 100% so bad that it's fucking good movie. Definitely, man, if you... Have any sort of like? You don't even have to like like Hogan or wrestling. If you were just like, "Hey man, do you love the movie Stone Cold?" I got a fucking double feature for you. Throw on fucking No holes Barred after. You'll have a great time. This is a one hundred percent. Get a little messed up, laugh at a movie, and you'll have the time of your life. Movie. I mean, it's some of the worst dialogue of any movie that like we've ever covered. Maybe the worst dialogue of any movie we've ever talked about on this podcast. It's so dumb. I agree with you, Annie. It's a 100% like you're fucking playing like cops and robbers, and you get somebody dead to rights, and they go, I'm metal. Like That's Hulk Hogan in this movie. He can't be hurt. Coincidentally, was Hulk Hogan in wrestling also. Yes. (laughs)
2: Correct, yes.
0: (laughs) Yes. But uh, yeah, man. Fucking give it 100% recommend. It's a fucking great time. And what a great
1: time we had today on this episode covering No Holds Barred. But the time has come to an end, my friends. Uh, We will be back next week with yet another bonus episode. I would tell you what that's going to be, but our patrons have not picked it yet. So it's going to be a mystery. But we will be back covering some movie. Could be a horror movie. Might not. It might be fucking ready to rumble. We'll, We'll see what they say. But we will see you regardless next week on Seeking Human Victim.
2: This is not
0: a test. This is not a test. Please remain calm.
1: Unburied dead are coming back to life and
2: Seeking Human Victims. Seeking Human Victims. Seeking Human Victims.
1: The Seeking Human Victims podcast is a product of One Good Scare Productions. It is written, edited, researched, and directed by Dan Wilson. With assistance by Fuji Grant and Annie Wilson. Original music is provided by Shredderford as well as K.T. Grant. All other music and audio clips are property of their respective owners.